good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and I'm so happy that you're back here with us. There are so many different things that you could be doing with your time on a Sunday morning, even when it's not okay to go just anywhere you please. You're here. And I'm so glad you are. Thank you so much for your continued participation in this church and also for being a part of this amazing exploration of the Bible. Last week we had uh, some interesting uh, thoughts about Elijah. And this week we're going to be talking about some stories that I bet you've heard of. This is, uh, you know, Daniel in the lion's den and, and Daniel's friends in the furnace. Remember these from Sunday school? Maybe it's been a while since you've thought of them, but I'll tell you what, you and I both know what it feels like to feel like you're in the furnace, to feel like you're in the lion's den. There's all kinds of modern equivalents of those things. And so this is a story for you if you want to know how to get out of that situation, if you want to know what to think about in order to get out, to move forward, to be happy, successful, the whole thing. There's some really interesting things that go on with the two stories. We're going to talk about uh, Daniel's friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. And then we're going to talk about Daniel in the lion's den. In a lot of ways, they're similar stories and there's similar things that go on. And there's a similar lesson that you can apply to make things different and better right now. So with that in mind, let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can find these stories about Daniel, uh, conveniently enough, in the book of Daniel. He's got a whole book. And the story that I want to tell you first is a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are uh, Daniel's friends. And this is in the uh, third chapter of Daniel. It's the whole chapter. And I encourage you to really read through this and also the story of Daniel in the lion's den because there's a lot in there. And there's actually something that really, really interesting that happens on a literary level. As well, there's some sophisticated storytelling going on here in what seems like a pretty simple and straightforward story. So there's a lot to watch out for. But so in the third chapter of Daniel, the king is, is Nebuchadnezzar, which is a fun name to say. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar builds an idol and he demands an idol to himself, I should be clear. And he demands that everyone in his kingdom pay homage. And if you don't worship the idol of me, <laughs> you're put in the furnace. And this is a problem for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because once again, they worship capital G, God, you know, your God, my God, uh, not some guy. And they're not willing to compromise on that, which is why they get in trouble. But it's also why they come out on top. And I know I'm not spoiling anything by saying that. You know how this story is going to go. But this is a lesson for you and for me too, because so many times, yeah, there's stuff that we should let go of, our ego stuff and our desire for it to go a certain way based on our own uh, childish need for it to gratify our comfort zones and all of that stuff. Yes, absolutely. There are things that you should let go of. 
You're not always going to get it your way. In fact, that's not why you're here, as we learned from Elijah last time. You're here to be a steward, a caretaker, a shepherd, let's say, of the flow of life through you, from God, through you into your life. That's why you're here. You're not here to get your way. So yes, there are things you should let go of. But on the other hand, there are some things that are just capital T true that you can't turn your back on. And you will be successful to the degree that you hold on to what's true. And you let go of what needs to be let go of. Water and stone, it's one of those things. We keep coming back to it, right? But in your life, you might get yelled at, frowned upon, not invited to parties because of what you know to be true. But you're also going to get where God needs you to go to the degree that you stick to your guns, so to speak. It's important. And you get to decide what that thing is that you're holding on to. But look for it. That's your advanced homework today. But so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought before the king. And the king basically says, all right, guys, what's the deal? Were you uh, not worshiping my idol? What's, what's your problem? Uh, were you worshiping some other god? What's, what's wrong with you? Are you going to worship me now? And I won't read it to you, but go look up Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18, where they basically say, look, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, can I call you Neb? It's easier. Look, Neb, it's not about whether or not we're going to worship you, because we're not. It's about whether or not God is going to show up and protect us, because he will, because he's here already. Uh, Third, Daniel uh, Daniel 3, 16 through 18. It's not about whether or not we're going to worship you. We ain't. It's about whether or not God will save us. He will. So uh, we don't have anything else to talk about. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, all right, well, I guess get in the barbecue. So they get put in and Nebuchadnezzar has, the, has his guards set it to be seven times hotter than you're supposed to. You know, these amps go all the way up to 11. It's that kind of an idea. And once again, that's that number seven kind of means as long as it takes, just like seven days of creation, that kind of a thing. Make it as hot as it needs to be to just vaporize this. Imagine the hottest fire, multiply it by seven. That's the idea, that kind of a thing. The fire is so hot that the guards who were there to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the good guys, the guards who were there to throw the good guys in, they get burned up just by being close to it. That's how hot the fire is. It's really interesting, by the way, that the fire that was intended to punish the good guys ends up getting rid of the bad guards. I want you to reflect on the idea, just as a sidebar here, I want you to reflect on the idea that throughout Scripture, fire is used not as a punishment, but as a cleansing metaphor over and over again. I baptize with water, but he who follows me will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. Sound familiar? Fire is not used as a punishment in Scripture. Fire is used as a cleansing to get rid of what isn't true. Interesting, isn't it? And that's actually what happens here. You get the idea that there's some kind of a little window, some kind of a way that they can look into the furnace. And what they see is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are 
Fine. But that's not all they see. It looks like there's a fourth person in there. The Bible says there's a fourth person who looks like a son of God in there with them. Now, I'll let you draw your own conclusions as far as who that person is. But the point for right now, we'll talk more later, but the point for right now is they are not alone. And if you read back to what they said previously, they knew that they were never alone. The prayer that, that we pray when we know this, it's the prayer of Elijah at the sacrifice. Later on, it's going to be the prayer of Jesus at Lazarus's tomb. The prayer is always, God, I know you're here. But let's show everybody so that people will know and people will choose and people will live a life that's based on love instead of on fear. That's what's on the table in this situation. So Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and this mysterious, not so mysterious fourth person hang out in the furnace for a while until it's very clear that nothing is going to happen to them. And they let him out, and the Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke, which if you've ever been close to a, a campfire or a barbecue, you know that's a real miracle in and of itself. But they're untouched. They're not even dirty. Because they can't be touched by this. There are things in your life that seem all-consuming. There are things in your life that feel like somebody else put them there to be a punishment. There are things in your life that will take everything away. This is an outward version of the inward lesson we learn with Elijah. There are things that will make everything go away, and yet you remain. And yet the truth remains. And yet your potential for love and hope and faith and inspiration and beauty and heroism and growth remain. Cannot be touched. Not even dirty. Not even smell like smoke. You have been in the furnace before. <laughs> and it probably wasn't any fun. But you made it out. And you didn't make it out alone. And... That's what Nebuchadnezzar sees. And so at the end of it, Nebuchadnezzar is, for lack of a better word, converted. He makes an edict of protection. He says, nobody is ever allowed to touch these guys. Clearly their God is the capital G God, and I get it now. Nebuchadnezzar basically says, I get it now. And no one's going to mess with these three. And in fact, they won. They get fortune and glory. They get to be taken care of. They get to be the brain trust. They get to be put in charge. They've been through it all, and they came out on top. And I'm going to say this again in a minute, but I want you to notice how there is this wonderful arch shape to their story. The story begins with a pronouncement, you must worship me, and it ends with a pronouncement, you better not mess with these guys. And there's parallels all throughout the story. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. But just pay attention. When we talk about the story of Daniel and the lion's den in a moment, think about how that works. But let's get right into it. Daniel and the lion's den, the story that you've heard in Sunday school, is in the sixth chapter of Daniel. And the king now, this is a little bit later on, the king now is not Nebuchadnezzar anymore. The king is Darius, which is much easier to say. And so I'm glad we've moved on to him. Darius is a, is a successor. Now, before, when Nebuchadnezzar was kind of antagonistic at the beginning of the story, remember, Darius is good with it. 
He's got things to deal with. He's got public relations things. He knows that some of the people he deals with are not uh, on the same page as far as capital G God and all of that. But he is a friend. And he is cheering Daniel on. Daniel uh, reminds me a little bit of Joseph. Daniel is sort of the right-hand man of Darius in a way. Uh, He's successful because of his character, because of his ability to work hard, sounds like Joseph, and especially because of his ability to interpret dreams. Doesn't that sound familiar? Go back and listen to the Joseph story that we talked about a little bit before. It sounds like uh, Joseph and a lesson about openness to where God is talking. Sometimes God's got to come to you in a dream. Take the messages where you get the messages. But even though things are going better at the beginning of the story for Daniel than they were going for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there are problems because that kind of success, Darius is basically walking around with, you know, uh, Daniel fan club t-shirts on, that kind of success is problematic for people who are ego-based. Right, And there are people who are ego-based around Darius, people in that kingly court who don't like the fact that Daniel's doing so well. And they basically say, well, we got to get this guy. we got to get him out of here. We want a little bit of that fortune and glory. We want a little bit more of that good life kind of a thing. We want the king to think we're cool. we got to get this guy out of here. we got to have a staff meeting. You know, that kind of a thing. And they trick Darius. They trick him. They say, Darius, don't you feel like you should make some kind of a law that that everybody should worship you? I mean, you're the king. You're you're the real deal. You're you're what it's all about. And Darius says, Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I am the king. Darius listens to his ego. Remember, Darius isn't really converted the way that Nebuchadnezzar is at the end of the story. He's just kind of friendly. But Darius feels like, hey, I'm the king and it's good to be the king. And so I want to have that same kind of power. So Darius makes an edict. Beginning of the story, Daniel's success. The second part of the story is Darius. uh, Well, second part of the story is that Daniel's enemies plot against him. The third part of the story is that Darius makes an edict. He sets a rule. Anybody who who doesn't worship me, anybody who worships anybody else, another god, whatever, is going to be thrown into the lion's den. And the thing about the way those, those edicts, those kingly rules work, is you can't take them back. Once the king says it, even the king has to obey it. It's like the laws that you make when you're a king are like little kings in and of themselves, and they can't ever go away. They're just kind of out there in space forever. You can't amend So Daniel's enemies know that they got him now because they know that Daniel worships capital G God. All we got to do now is catch him in the act. Daniel has a room at the top of his house with a window facing Jerusalem. And every day he goes up to that room and he faces Jerusalem. He looks back at his source. Sound familiar? This is always part of the success process. It was with Elijah too, right? Daniel looks to his source. He looks back at Jerusalem and he prays. Now Daniel's uh, enemies know this. They catch him doing it. They catch him in the act of praying. I guess they put it on their, uh, they put it on their Instagram page or something. They get some kind of a proof. And uh, 
they tell Darius, hey, you made the rules, man. That was your idea, which it wasn't, of course, but we know how this stuff works. And so now you got to throw Daniel in the lion's den. Sounds a little bit like the furnace. It's a very similar moment in the story, isn't it? But part of the difference is that in the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story, the story of the furnace, Nebuchadnezzar really wanted those guys to burn up at the beginning of the story. In this case, Darius does not want Daniel to be eaten by uh, the lions. Darius likes Daniel. He thinks that Daniel is a good worker, and he doesn't really get this relationship that Daniel has with capital G God, but he likes the results. And you know, sometimes that's enough for, to, for a start. It's enough to get things going. Darius is hopeful that Daniel's going to be okay. He says encouraging words, but the Bible says that he doesn't eat, he doesn't sleep that night because he's scared. But you know what happens, don't you? You can imagine the situation. Uh, Daniel makes it through the night in the lion's den. He's fine. He's fine because he's not alone. He's fine because God is taking care of the situation. He's fine because the lions of life do not eat the Daniels of truth. They eat all kinds of other stuff. Just like fire burns up all kinds of other stuff. See the parallels in the story? And Darius is so relieved and starts to piece together how he was tricked by Daniel's opponents that he has them thrown into the lion's den. They don't do so well. They become a fancy feast. And at the end of it, Darius makes a pronouncement, much like Nebuchadnezzar's. Uh, Darius says, okay, I get it now. This is God. Nobody mess with Daniel. We got this. Now notice that these, you know, this is a cycle. Nebuchadnezzar said the same kind of thing, and things kind of still went south for a while, but it comes back up. And this is important, because now that we've been through both of the stories, we can break down that there's a lesson there. It might feel like, and this is what these two stories are really about, it might feel like you're in a moment of failure, but you're just at one stop in your journey to success. Your job is to remember who you are and to see it through. There is some progress. Remember that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was antagonistic. Darius comes to a place of certainty. There's, there's growth there. There's progress. But there's also something really interesting that goes on where even someone who doesn't get it, like Darius, even someone who doesn't get it can still be heroic. Even someone who doesn't get it can still be a protecting force, a nurturing presence in life. Even someone who doesn't do it your way. Yeah, it would be a great story if, if, if Nebuchadnezzar and Darius were both like Daniel, where they just got it at the beginning and they didn't do any of that tomfoolery. That's great. It ain't much of a story. We're going to talk later about judgment in the coming weeks when we talk about Jesus and the rescue and, and some other things that we'll talk about coming up. But in this moment, one of my takeaways, and this is really important, is it is okay to point out when something is silly or foolish or you don't get it. It's okay to point out a, a silly action. It is not okay to judge somebody for taking that action. You see the difference? Uh, I'll give you an example. I go to Disney World a lot. You know this. 
And one of the things that, that I really like doing in the summertime when we go, sometimes when it's blazing hot the way it is in Florida, is they've got some water rides where you can go and you go on the ride and you get wet and that's fun and it's refreshing and all that kind of stuff. And it's fun to just be in the middle of it. And, and as much as you don't want to get wet, you kind of do want to get wet and you want to, to, to be drenched by it and you want the whole experience and everybody laughs and it's fun and you scream and you yell and it's great to be immersed in that moment, right? It's fun. But I tell you, every time I get on one of those rafts at Disney World, inevitably there's someone who's got a raincoat on. And I think to myself, that's silly. Why, do you, why are you doing it at all? You're missing the point of this. That's part of the fun. Why are you taking the fun away? Why even get on the ride? Why do you need a mediator? Something in between you and the experience of it. Moses, why do you need sandals? You're on holy ground. It's that moment. And people come to me all the time and they say, you know, you take a pretty hardline approach about spiritual simplicity. And you know that I do. I have to say that, that when someone says, I need to burn special uh, sage or whatever before I feel spiritual, I need to listen to special music, I got to wear a special outfit, it's only a certain time of day, it's only at 11-11 that God shows up in my life or whatever that they need to do. I got to do my numerology. I can only live in a house. It's got a specific address. I can only do these things. It's only about if I had put on glasses that are orange lenses, then I can, you wouldn't believe the things I've heard. Just scratching the surface. And people say, how do you feel about that? Well, you probably know that I feel the same way about that, that I feel about somebody who's putting on a raincoat before they get on a water ride at Disney. I, the way I feel is, okay. I don't think you're a bad person for doing it, but I do think you're going to have a diminished experience because of your paraphernalia, because of your need to have a mediator. So yeah, you know what? I'm going to laugh a little bit at the dude in the raincoat on the water ride in the same way that, yeah, I might have a snide remark or two about somebody that, that, that can't pray unless they're wearing the appropriate amount of crystals. I don't get that. It's funny to me. But I will never say that that person is a bad person or a dumb person or a silly person. Because you know what? That's not my job. Darius and Nebuchadnezzar, they've got other ways and idols and things that they need to do to get to the place where they understand how this works. But they get there. So who are you to judge that? It's okay to get there however you need to get there. Another lesson that we can point out is that Daniel makes his bones by interpreting a dream. One of the lessons that we can take away is be open to the message in whatever way it needs to come. You might get a message from somebody doing something kind of silly. You might need to pass through the furnace before you remember what survives. You might need to spend some time with some lions before you realize how protected you really are. It's okay if you're at that part of your journey. There's this literary pattern that, that I want to point out. I wish I had a chalkboard so I could draw it for you, but you're going to have to visualize it. It's a little bit complicated, so we'll really try to be careful about this. But you can see it in Daniel's story most clearly. Really, the first step, when we meet Daniel, he's successful. At the end of Daniel's story in this chapter, Daniel is successful. The second big thing that happens is uh, Darius, the king, makes an edict. you got to worship me. Or at the end, he makes an edict, nobody mess with Daniel. you got to worship God. See the parallels? The, the 
next step is that Daniel's opponents try to get Daniel put to death. The next to last step is that Daniel's opponents are put to death. And the middle part of that arch is that Darius hopes for Daniel's deliverance and Darius witnesses Daniel's deliverance. See how there's those parallels all through. There's this wonderful arch to the story. In literary terms, they call it a chiasm. And you see it in, in all kinds of literature. It's one of those things that there's a, there's a pattern, there's a, a character arc, as they put it sometimes. There's this wonderful thing that happens. And I bring that up because this pattern is happening in your life. It might seem like you're just going through the same thing over and over again. It might seem like you're in a situation where you go, you know what, I'm back here again. Come on, God. But the truth is, you are not in the same place. You're maybe at the same level, but something has changed for you. The fact that you can see the way that things were before is proof already that there is change, but there's probably more change than that if you really look at it. The point that I'm trying to make with you is that it might seem like you're in a failure moment, but you are really at the moment of your cleansing. Your job is to stick to what does not get burned up to what does not get consumed, to remember who you have always been. And maybe you don't know that so well, but what better time to reflect on it, right? Thank you, God, for this moment of cleansing. See what happens when you change your mind about it? You will end up successful. You will end up happy. The powers that be will proclaim your truth. You are on an upswing. You just don't know it yet. And here's the thing that I want to remind you as we, as we get done today. The overarching lesson from both of these stories, and in fact, in one way or another from all of these stories, is this. You ready? Heroes don't try to get out of trouble. They don't. And to you and to me and to everybody, I would say, stop trying to pray the prayer of escape. You're not here to get out of trouble. You're here to learn from your trouble. Heroes don't try to get out of trouble. They face it with hope and with faith and with love. Heroes face their trouble. The truth that we can learn from these stories, the truth that we might need today, is that you are never alone, but you do have to jump in. It's the only way out. The only way out is through. But by going through, you will find the peace. You will find the success. You will find the happiness. You will find the love. You will find the healing. And you will find the freedom. Just jump in. Just go through. Because you're not alone. And because freedom is a choice. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for being on this journey. Not just this journey through the Bible, as wonderful as I think it is, but this journey of this church and this family and all of the things that we do. Thank you for liking these videos. Thank you for subscribing by clicking the bell or doing whatever it is you need to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing these videos. It means a lot. And I want to thank you because we're counting on your gifts of love and substance in order to keep this ministry going. Let's take those gifts and bless them in our minds and our hearts with our offertory prayer. God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy.
And so it is and so it does. Amen. And I want to remind you that wherever you are, you're not alone. You're not alone on a spiritual level and you're not even alone on a, on a material level because we are right here with you. And in this family, we pray together. Let's pray our dedication prayer. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. Now and always. Amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.